uh what's up again everybody hope you guys are having a great saint patty's day yes happy saint patrick's day i like forget about saint patrick's day yeah um the really cool kids are probably out drinking right now it's almost that time or you're pre-gaming maybe or you're a responsible adult well it is weird because it's on like saint patrick's day is on like a weekday so like yeah it seems weird to me but you know first bat guys are uh on river street right now Maybe. Oh yeah, Savannah is absolutely absurd on St. Patrick's Day. Grotesque. It's, it's a good time. Like they say, Savannah makes like ninety-eight percent of its like money for the city on St. Patrick's Day. They like <laughs> uncap all cab driver fees. They like uncap everything. Like to get a cab back to the bees is like one hundred and twenty dollars. It's it's just it's ridiculous. And there is just. A billion people in this city. A billion. Yeah, I believe it. That's absurd. I believe so, guys, uh, welcome to the Train Like a Ranger uh, live stream where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, military prep, or whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> Cap says, uh, howdy, fellows. What's up, Cap? Savage says, uh, do you know anything about 160th? Uh and would your programs work in preparation for it? Uh, absolutely. We we did work with uh, a bunch of people, but yeah, the 160th, we did work with them as well. Yeah, um, those guys are awesome. Yeah. Those guys are like very good at what they do. <clears throat> yep. Um, I, yeah, it would absolutely help. That A lot of those programs will translate just to being more physically fit, but that advanced military prep program, TLR warrior program, those will especially translate to any sort of selection process, uh, especially when it comes to things in the, in the army, but I would say across all branches. I mean, it's just a good prep program. Um, so yes, absolutely. Uh, what's going on, Axe? Um, he says, is in fitness, but on the 15th of April, my nephew is one. Whenever I do push-ups, he laughs at me. Um, <laughs> you saying that your, your nephew is judging your form harshly or? <laughs> Um, call sign Joker. What's going on? Um, X says my internet's not weird. I'm weird, so that's fair. I thought that um we were gonna start being nicer to me, but that's fine. Um, Josh thinks what's going on. Um, how did your worldview change from your experience in regiment? Um. It's a good question. So my worldview changed a lot throughout my time in the army, um, in a couple ways. Um, regiment, not as much because I was just a dumb kid still, and I don't even know if I had a worldview when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old, really. Um, but yeah, my worldview changed a lot. I think mostly because I saw the world. I mean, you know, when I was eighteen years old during the army, I had been. I don't think I'd ever been more West than Tennessee uh, in the United States. Like, I mean, I had gone to Canada cause I'm from Buffalo and the drinking age there is 19. So we used to go up to Canada and stuff, but no, I didn't know anything about the world. Like I had never been to another country really. Cause I don't count Canada so much. It's just like, it's like America North. Um, so yeah, I mean, seeing other cultures, how they operate. So she went out in the 173rd, you know, I lived in Italy. I, you know, deployed up to the to the Baltics on the Russian border. 
And uh, it, it's it was weird because you think of the world as like so U.S. centric, like everything's about America. That's where you live. That's what you know. Um, and it's just weird to see other cultures, how people react and respond to different things. Um, in a lot of a different way than we do here. Um, a lot of the crimes are different because of different gun laws and things like that. Um, yeah, but it made me um, happy to live in the United States of America. Like that is one thing that I will say. Some of these countries made me really, really, really uh, appreciate what we have here in the United States, even when it's tough, even when gas is $150 a gallon. Um, like it made me appreciate living in the United States a, a lot. Um, but your experiences are going to shape your worldview and your view just on everything and people um, just differently depending on what you go through and where you come from and things like that. But it definitely did, and it will. Yeah. It's a loaded question because uh, to to kind of double down on what you said, you, you learn to be more open-minded um, because you experience all these different things. You, you get outside of the box. And uh, I would say what I one of the things I realized is normal is what you're used to. For one, you get surrounded by people who come from all different places in the U.S., all different um, like upbringings, cultures, and and things, and so you learn to like interact with all sorts of people. And then you go, you get deployed to uh, places all over. I mean, some good, some bad, right? Um, and I mean, mostly bad, but <laughs> mostly bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, you you see kind of the dark side of the world. But you also, from that, you also learn to appreciate what all of us have here when it's good. You know, there's there's times uh, before that where, um, though I would say I didn't have a lot of experiences, there was things that, you know, you take for granted. And after I went through those experiences, there was a lot uh, that I learned not to take for granted. So it made me more appreciative, it gave me a bigger spectrum and really changed my way of thinking. So. It'll, it'll mature you uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I know guys that went over there and um, who were really religious, you know, who had gone to the Middle East who, who stopped being religious. Like, it, it had completely, like, changed their entire view about religion. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, I know dudes who weren't religious that went over to the Middle East and became religious afterwards. Um I mean, it, it's crazy how different experiences shape people in like wildly different ways. Like, uh, like ten people can go through the same experience over there, and all ten of them are going to pull that in and uh, break it down and let it affect them in a, a bunch of different ways. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah, everybody handles the stress differently. I'm gonna um, let me answer this, and then I'm gonna fix this internet here. But um, everybody handles the stress differently. I've I've said this before. You know, it's it's amazing to me. You see some guys. We went through the exact same things, and some of them took it so hard and it just it it changed the way that they thought they acted i mean some of them just really took it hard and then some of them um you know not bothered at all it's just another another day right um so it is it is um it's interesting to see how people react to it like you said some get some get um bitter some get super um positive about you know what's good and uh and um you know, it could go either way. So, yeah, I would say, you know, if you guys, if you guys kind of know that there's going to be some things in there that are heavy, that are bad, um, just learn how to find the good and and take the good lessons away because it, there are going to be times that are that are hard, that are heavy. So, 
yeah that, that's a good tip yeah you're gonna get tired of hearing it because like a, a bunch of leaders in the army are gonna say it's you they have this saying it's called hunt the good stuff um you're gonna start rolling your eyes at like safety briefs and stuff when they say that stuff but it's true i mean um it's kind of a tired it'll be a tired phrase to you but you know trying to find the good and and things is is going to help you uh probably be a little bit more positive of a person which which will go a long way for your mental health <clears throat> absolutely one sec i'm gonna hit the the home button here tony hit i don't know the, what that uh, means for me i forgot to turn the wi-fi on dude rookie mistake <laughs> he blamed me you guys remember when he blamed me for this our hiccup in the beginning he was like why isn't instagram working and he said i forgot he just i forgot to turn the wi-fi on <laughs> what, a what a clown show <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys uh do you, what you guys don't know is Daniel's degree is actually from Clown College, so. <laughs> well, um, copy. <laughs> uh, AC28 says lots of fam were military and all were officers. They were all conventional. They say I shouldn't enlist no matter what because enlisted get treated like shit in regiment or not. What do you think about this? Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I know a lot of a lot of officers, and I've met a lot of good officers, and I've met a lot of really bad officers. I've met a lot of good enlisted, a lot of bad enlisted. Um, uh, what I will say is it definitely depends on your job. I would never steer someone away from enlisting. Um, I think that NCOs are better leaders uh, most of the time than officers because you have a lot more experience when you get to the, a similar position of leadership. And one thing I always tell younger officers is to, to use your NCOs because your NCOs are going to have a lot of that information that you definitely don't really have necessarily uh, right there as an officer um, at that same position. Because when I was a team chief and I was a, you know, it's an E6 position, I had a, you know, first lieutenant with me who had been in the Army for like two and a half years. I'd been in the Army for like six. So my the experience gap was was massive. Um, officers kind of get little pieces of things. They know a little bit about a lot of topics, whereas NCOs know a lot about like one or two topics. Um, and I honestly, I don't know how old your family is. You're not going to be treated probably as poorly as maybe you would have in like the eighties and nineties. Um, that's just not how the, uh, the army operates anymore. <clears throat> honestly, you're going to get treated nicer than you would have just gotten treated in the early two thousands at this point. I mean, it's a pretty rapidly evolving field. Um, but there are pros and cons to being an officer. And I think, um, uh, man, both the questions I've had on my YouTube side have been like very in depth, long winded answers. Uh, I am actually going to, Officers versus enlisted, I think, will be my first. Um, I'm going to start doing some videos and similar in vain to Daniel's trainer talks um, that are going to be more military focused. And that might be my first one uh, the difference between officers and enlisted. Because that's not exactly true. And I wouldn't let someone steer you away from becoming enlisted if it's something you really want to do. But the officer route's not a bad way to go either. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something me and James talked about. Um, about a you know, possibility of video series there. Um, and you know, I would say that that is a loaded question because there's a, there's pros and cons to both. And it, it for one, it depends on what you want to do. Right. So like, you know, I've had guys when they look at going to like a selection, they're like, Oh, should I go officer or enlisted? And I'll, and I'll be honest when I say, you know, the, the pipeline to get there, those places as an officer is going to be longer and also less of a demand. That means that there's going to be less spots to to fill so realistically you're going to have a much higher percentage of getting into 
through a selection and and make it as um, like uh, SF or Ranger or whatever if you're enlisted. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Doesn't mean that you you steer away from something because it may be less in demand or maybe harder or whatever. But you know that's why I say there's pros and cons to both. Uh, also, the job that you're going to do whenever you get there, you know, the type of leadership that you're going to do, the kind of upbringing that you have is going to be uh, completely different. Um, the culture is going to be completely different. You know, like uh, the enlist guys like being enlisted because they're more with uh, with the boys, where you're going to be a little bit more isolated if you're an officer. But then again, when you're an officer, you're there's more autonomy, there's better pay, and there's um, um, you know there's a community in that as well, but it's just completely different. Like you have to weigh those things out and that's a loaded, uh, loaded topic. And, and like I said, maybe there's some we, you know, uh, that can be covered more in the future with certain content and things. Cause that, that is a question we get all the time. Yeah. And like, well, like you said too, like you're going to have more of like a hands-on kind of be in it in the fight more, uh, as an enlisted, no matter what your MOS is essentially across the board. like, you're going to, you know, be a little bit more in it than than an officer for sure yeah uh cap says uh in reference to the meal prep program if i'm hitting the gym would you recommend high rep low weight or low rep high weight okay so both in reference to the meal prep program if i'm hitting the gym would you recommend high rep low weight or low so the the sets and reps should be dictated in the program um so, you know, it kind of depends on what's being called for, you know, with the, with the compound lifts and the meal prep program, I would say you want to push yourself, but obviously you don't want to injure yourself. So be smart, um, have a spotter whenever you can have a spotter, but push yourself, you know, obviously when it comes to like the, that major volume phase, like say you're looking at the 10 by 10. Uh, make sure you're training with a smart way. Why does it have to come up every session? I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm triggering trauma. Uh, James, uh, did, you did the the warrior program, so uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, don't like it. Don't like those. You, get, you guys, uh, <clears throat> if you've done the warrior program, you know month three is the 10 by 10, and uh, everybody remembers that. So um, yeah, so it really just depends on what kind of activity that you're doing. Obviously, if you're doing high high reps, you're gonna have lower weight, and it's gonna scale in the other direction. If you got lower the reps, so you're I probably tell you that in the program too. Like, uh, if you're doing like a strength phase, obviously you're gonna be training with higher weight, and and the reps are gonna be lower. But that'll be dictated in the sets and reps. You know, whenever we're looking at strength phases, if you look at something like the TLR warrior program, maybe we're doing five sets of five or something. So obviously you're going to train with higher weights as, uh, as those reps and go down. So oh, let me know if that answers your question. I can elaborate more. Uh, Josh Nick says, how often were you able to see your family? Did you miss them while gone so often? Um, <clears throat> I came from a military family and I was single, um, when I was in regiment, you know, for the most part. So, um, I was kind of grew up used to having my family be gone ish, um, you know, between deployments and uh, training and things like that. So for me, it wasn't so difficult. And even now, I don't actually live in the same state as uh, like 90% of my family. Um, so for me, I kind of had that lifestyle a little bit earlier on. So it didn't affect me as much. Um, 
personally just because i was used to it uh but it, it i mean it can be a lot absolutely um daniel it was i mean I, it's different for you obviously you weren't uh, you know you didn't grow up in that uh lifestyle like i did i was waiting for a jab for some reason i was like i was like here it comes dude uh i'm so used to tony giving me a hard time i, was like, I thought you were gonna be like oh well, your parents don't love you but, uh, <laughs> yeah that's the kind of thing i say guys <laughs> no that's not true but uh <laughs> yeah i i would say uh so the question is are you are you going to be gone from your family a lot? Is that the uh, it says? How world? often were you able to see your family, and did you miss them while gone so often? Yeah, so I mean, it's obviously different um, depending on your circumstance. Like I was single for much of my enlistment. Um, you know, I met I met my now wife like towards the end of my enlistment, and uh, and that kind of changed things for me a little bit. Um, so you know, guys who are married, they have kids. It, it is more of a struggle in. And I would usually tell those guys, like, it's going to be compromised. You know, you got to tell your significant other, like, like, Hey, there's going to be times where I get pulled in and, uh, and there's going to be compromised. Like it really takes a special significant other to bear through, um, all the, all the challenges of the military. Now the military does a great job of trying to, um, take care of families and things like that and, and provide, um, extra incentive and things and take care of the family. But, um, but yes, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. I would say that you're, it depends on where you are, what job you're doing. You know, if you're looking at a place like, you know, I would say in a lot of places in, in the, in the army that for the most, well, the days, the days can be long in a lot of units. Um, but there's more stability for the most part, unless you deploy, um, guys from the conventional army, they deploy for a long time. Um, the thing with special operations is we usually deploy for shorter durations, but more often. So, um, and there's less predictability. So training events can pull you away. Things like that can happen. Um, but they do turn around and try to give you time off long weekends and stuff. So it's just, it's a busy, uh, it's a busy thing. You will be gone from your family. Uh, especially if you're, if you're talking about your family, say you're in high school and you're going off into the military, like you're probably going to see them on leave right like maybe yeah i was going to say it's a little different for uh yeah if you have like a wife or a family that you bring with you it's going to be you know up and down and wavy but for family back home you're going to see them twice a year for two weeks at a time Tops. yeah yeah like that's just unless you live close enough that you can get a, a long weekend up there um like for me when i was in north carolina it was like nine hours so if i had like four a four-day weekend um like thanksgiving and stuff like that i would i would you know shoot home um but like Savannah, it's like a 16 hour drive to get to, uh, where I was from in New York and Buffalo. So there was no way I was going to get there for a four day weekend. It would, it would have been, you know, 30 something hours of driving. Um, so I saw my family back home uh, twice a year for two weeks at a time, once in the summer, uh, roughly. And then once at Christmas, depending on deployments. Um, but Charles Faulkner with a super chat, $10. We appreciate that. Charles Faulkner he says, woo. Awesome. Salute Thanks, to you both. I'm a veteran of OIF too. I was a member of the QRF in Taji. I just finished 15 years at the Baltimore Police Department before I left here. That's awesome, Charles. We appreciate you. Appreciate your service. Um, yes. Thank you for your service, Charles. Appreciate, appreciate the super chat. Service. And just so you guys are aware, the super chat is, um, you know, you don't have to do it. Obviously we try to get to all the questions, but if you super chat in the YouTube, uh, yeah, I will, will answer your question. Um, right away right after the one we're on <clears throat> yeah 
Uh, Doug Slayer says, I can see that beard coming in. Thank you. Um, I actually, it was. Uh, you can, Doug Slayer, you can just clean off your screen a little bit. That might help. No, 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 no. Listen, it was down, it was down to the floor, but I, I cut it off before I got on here. So uh, it's already growing back. So I'm glad this, I'm glad it's acknowledged, uh, Doug Slayer. I shaved it because I didn't want to intimidate everybody. Obviously, I don't have any issues growing any sort of facial hair. Uh, anyway, you got a question over there? <laughs> I have some questions for you, follow-up questions, but okay. um, so huh? uh, YouTube account says, "How many MLSs are in regiment?" and give five examples. You know, I actually don't know what the current number is. It's like it was like it's a lot. Um, seventy. I want to say seventy-two for some reason. That doesn't seem right. It seems like too many. For some reason, I want to know. I'm going to find out. I mean, I can name a bunch of them. Uh, Obviously, we have the 11 Bravos, um, 11 Charlies, got 13 Fox, 68 Whiskey, like all 25 series. Uh, No Calf Scouts, though. So if someone tries to get you with the Calf Scout, that's not in regiment. We've got a couple guys. Did you see that recently? What? Have you seen that recently? No. No. Okay. Uh, Because I, I had to break it to a guy early on in this page. He's like, yeah, the recruiter said I could pick it up after because he had already enlisted yeah it was like maybe five months ago or four months ago i saw one but yeah 19 delta is cap scouts is not one of them um you know they're all admins parachute riggers uh you know 12 bravos uh there's a couple of the other 12 series as well um you know you have your supply uh, you have seaburn you know there's a lot of there is a lot of options for mos's to, to get into regiment your you know cooks and things like that um across the board so like you you have the you know, from combat MOSs to support MOSs, uh, you know, full spectrum. Um, there's just some here and there that they, they don't take. But for the most part, they take a lot of MOSs. Um, you can find it on uh, pretty easily through Google on the Army like and Ranger recruiting website. It'll it'll give you a full list of all of the MOSs that they take um, for anyone that's, like, genuinely looking to see. Um, and they can go in. But for the most part, um, mainly you're going to get the option 40s for... Um, yeah, 13 Fox and the combat MOSs and things like that. Uh, it's a little bit fewer and far between to grab option 40s for some of the um, less common support MOSs. They just have less slots. I'm, I'm really dedicating to this count right now. I know, you're typing so loud. <clears throat> I'm having... It didn't right. separate for me. I'm trying to number these guys and it just didn't do it. Uh, Comrade Lawrence Page with the Bills Mafia for Life. Yeah, if you guys are into football... Uh, Bills Mafia has been killing it free agency. We just signed Von Miller um, going to the Super Bowl this year. You can mark it up now. Axe says fins up. Okay, that's sad. Sorry, Axe. I, I saw 65 jobs. 65? Yeah, I could have sworn it was 72. I don't know why I have put that number in my head. It, but. it might be, but that's just what I got from, from this website. So somewhere in there, 60, 70s. Safe bet. Um, Josh Nix was, said, was, was there anything that happened in regiment that left a bad taste in your mouth? Um... Yeah, I mean that's has more to do with people like dealing with people and stuff like that. It happened all the time in the army. Um, you're gonna run into NCOs, officers, other enlisted, you know, other people that are your peers that you just don't like, you don't get along with. Um, sometimes you're gonna be your boss, sometimes you're not gonna be your boss, and it's just uh, you know people are when there's that many people working together, you know, even at an office job, um, you're gonna get butt heads with people and how they do things, how they run their team. Especially when I was in um, the 82nd, you know, working with some other team chiefs where I just like didn't agree with the way they, you know, led or the way they operated their teams or what SOPs they're using, things like that. Uh, in terms of seeing things in the world, Josh, next, because I know you asked the worldview question. Uh, yeah, 100%. 
I'm not, I'm not going to get into them now, but there are things that you'll see that you're, you're not going to, you know, super enjoy, um, you know, as simple as, you know, you know, things that you see that are happening in other countries, you know, things that happen to your buddies and things like that. So yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, there's a lot of good things, but there, there's bad that go along with it. Yeah. And, and you can say that for anything. Like that's why we always talk about pros and cons, it, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it, and it's different from a lot of jobs in the sense that, um, that there is some really heavy, uh, stuff that you could potentially, um, encounter and that, and you see it affect people. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard to see how it affects people too. Um, sometimes it takes a long time to affect people too, you know, it, you know, kind of kick that can so, down the road a little bit. Sometimes you don't know you got a problem until you hit rock bottom, yeah. you know? Um, so anyway, uh, um, let's see. Pete, uh, Pat says, Got fizz called at MEPS today. Height came in at six, seven and a half. Awesome. Congrats, man. Is this the guy in the Discord? Yeah. yeah Why is he? Kinda... You know, I don't need him coming in here always flexing that he's almost <laughs> seven feet tall, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give me a few inches, dude. I'll, I'll take a few inches. Uh, uh, that's, that's awesome. No. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Um, but, um, Um, let's see here. I just want to, Crouton says, do medics go straight to Sockham after RASP or do they go to pre-screening to a pre-screening school? That's a good question. Uh, you would actually, you talked to Corey. Uh, did he say that he went straight to Sockham? Cause that's how it happened. I thought originally when I, when I, we went through, I didn't know if it had changed since then, if he had any insight into that. Yeah. So, and we, you know, by the way, if you want the full, he really went in depth in our podcast. So, if you guys want to know more about it, you go check out that podcast. But um, he uh, he from what I understand went to pre Sockham and then Sockham. So there's yeah, like a pre. But I don't know if I thought pre Sockham was sort of like pre RASP, where you're. It's not like a screening thing. It's just like kind of where you go while you wait to class up. It could be. I mean, it could be. To me, it sounded like it was a. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, pretty naive when it comes to this. But um, to me, it sounded like a. Sh- kind of more of a structured thing like it, they wanted to well, see yeah a pre pre-step before they send you off to go represent them yeah because so, sockham is hard yeah. so like they don't want everyone just like running into sockham not knowing what's going on sockham is is very difficult like i hats off to all the guys who passed that school it is it's definitely a tough one i don't i don't think i have the capacity to would do that i'm not very like um science like i biology chemistry all that stuff i'm not very good at so i don't think i would have been a good uh candidate to be a 68 whiskey personally but yeah <clears throat> um i'm just gonna keep rolling through until you cut me off for your questions on your end uh youtube account says if you guys weren't 13 foxes what mos would you guys choose uh, if i wasn't a 13 fox if i could go back in time and change it i would actually would have gone to the air force and i would have become a jtech um but if i had to pick another mos in the army um that is a good question i'll let you answer first <clears throat> medic I would have been a medic. You'd have been a medic? Yep. Um, I was hoping you'd take a little bit longer to answer that. I honestly don't know. I can't think of any time where I was like, man, I wish I was that guy. I had that job. <laughs> you thought you were going to buy some time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, I, I've never, I don't remember any ever seeing someone in the army doing their job and been like, man, I wish that I was doing that job. Um, yeah. I don't think I could go back and join the, if I I wouldn't have changed my MOS. I don't think I could be anything but a thirteen fox. 
yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed the um the job. Probably infantryman, I guess. Um I yeah, that would probably be number three for me. But definitely um uh, so I like I have a medical interest, like uh so I, I think medic that would have been good. That's fair. Um Ash Seven says, "What's the best, most funny military story you guys have?" I don't think we would be allowed to tell the best or funniest um, on live anything, uh, personally. Yeah, P- PR. But best or what's the question? I can probably think of. Uh, best or most funny military story you guys have? Yeah, I'm yeah, trying to think of one a, that's like appropriate. A, to- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without a <clears throat> bad PR. Um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of funny stuff that you guys are gonna see like absolutely funny stuff that you wouldn't see literally anywhere else, um, especially if you're if you're a young single guy in the barracks in a place like uh, Ranger Regiment like seeing those guys or going out with guys and uh, just everybody acting a fool like um, you see some really funny stuff, but uh. Or just in training too, you see funny, funny. Oh stuff. man, training! I honestly, you'll see, you see funny stuff in basic and stuff, just because like, uh, people are just dumb, man. Especially when you get like a bunch of like eighteen-year-old kids from like all these different walks of life. You, you know, you got like f- hundreds of them here at basic training. Um, yeah. just uh, yeah, it's. Oh, man. Basic training is really a trip because there, you're gonna meet people there that. You're like, how did you pass the the initial screening? Like, you know, yeah. some of these people. Ooh. Oh, um, yeah, I'll think. We'll think of some. Maybe we'll have some for next time that are uh, appropriate. Yeah, we definitely have to. Sort are going to get our YouTube uh, taken down. Uh, yeah, I got to sort through. But there's some wild ones in there for sure. Um, yeah, all the ones I'm thinking of that are coming to mind are not. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll try uh, try to circle back before the end of the live. If not, we'll try to have something ready for next week. Um, uh, JM says, "Do most people who get the Ranger contract fail because they don't really train properly before going to basic?" Um, uh, you honestly, option forty is actually essentially it was made as a. It's more of a recruiting tool, honestly, than anything else. Um, the failure rate is pretty high for option 40s uh, because they use it to get people into the army by telling them they're going to do cool stuff, um, and then people aren't prepared. So realistically, y- y- yes, not preparing physically and mentally before basic training. I think um, it's a combination of the two. Yeah, and uh, I do want to. I do want to dive into into this at like a minor rant because I know I tend to go off uh, the rails sometimes, but um, you know, there, there used to be, I think it's more accepted now, but it used to be more of a, of a stigma whenever guys would talk about prepping for the military. You know, a lot of guys are just like, just show up, bro. But in, in 2022, you guys need to be prepping before you go into the military, make sure you have a good foundation because it absolutely sets you up for success. Um, so, you know, you guys looking to to get on any program and prepare yourself, I think it's – I highly encourage it. It's a good move, um, you know. So whatever you choose to do, you guys are on the right track. Yeah, like I said, anyone who's really here is, is already, you know, far and away exactly. more on the right track than a lot of your uh, peers are going to be. Um, but, yeah, physically and mentally – and like, we've said this before. I mean, me and Daniel, when we were in airborne school, like we were, we were tired. You know, we did basic and AIT and everyone's cool. And like, we just went out through all this training and we had been 
you didn't have a, you don't have a home. That, that's one of the hardest parts too. You don't have a home. You're like moving from these other bad training barracks to bad training barracks to bad training barracks, and you know it, it did cross our mind a couple times. Where we're like, man, I just I don't want to do this. And I just want to go to a unit and just be at a unit and start doing my job and you know being in the army. Um, so it, it, like it starts to wear on you. I mean, it's a long, it's a pretty long trek for you to get there. So not being mentally prepared, I, th- I think, is a huge thing as well. Um, and then physical preparedness, like I said, we said that a couple of times. Physical preparedness helps you with your mental preparedness because you know when things are a little bit less hard, it's a little bit easier to push through mentally. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. Is time. And a lot of people, you know, they they see like uh, probably on TV, like, oh, I could carry that log. I could. You know, oh, I could endure this. I can endure this physical um, criteria, man. A lot of times, you know, it's not the individual criteria that gets people. It's the time investment. It's the it's just that time and energy investment. There is absolutely a big uh, price to pay to make it through something like that. You're going to invest a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, You're going to give up a lot of the a lot of the things that you're probably used to right now that make you comfortable and make you happy, you're probably going to give up most of those things. So it is, it's just a different, you learn to totally um, kind of take on different things. By the way, I, before you rebuttal to that, um, you guys let me know on Instagram. If, uh, if our feeds cutting in and out, I see there's some uh, loading screen down there. So y'all just let me know if something's uh, acting up, but anyways, you got to rebuttal. Um, yo, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to give up everything, like, especially during that track. I mean, you're, you know, I was even, you know, you're just in a room with a bunch of other guys. And, you know, luckily, I you had your phone. But like, when I, we were in pre rest, like, you weren't even allowed to have any, like, like high value items, like, besides a phone, like, you weren't really supposed to have iPods, you weren't supposed to have Kindles. Um, so like they may have laxed that a little bit but they don't want to be responsible for if you get your stuff stolen and stuff like that um it's tough i mean like you don't you don't have like a place you can just go to be alone really uh, there's a lot of a lot of adjustment happens um and it happens over a long span of time like you know yeah anybody can probably do anything for three days straight but you know when it's eight months of you just you know training and not having a place to be and having to give up a lot of your um things and anything that you like to do and find comfortable uh it's tough it gets tough yeah yeah it is um and that's another good point too just being around other people i talk about that all the time i'm like you think what's going to be hard is doing the criteria sometimes it's just being around other people especially when they add the stress on top and it goes back to what we were saying before some people react very poorly to that stress. And so dealing with your peers, dealing with um, uh, people who are stressed out, um, that can be taxing as well. And it's things that uh, I think a lot of people, they don't initially think that think of that whenever they're going into these pipelines or whatever, or going into the military. Like, just know that's going to be one of the one of the hurdles that you'll have to jump through and learn to cope with. And it is, it's, it's going to be like one of the bigger ones, like dealing with other people, um, your peers, you know. So. Well, yeah, and, and also remember that you know mass punishment is the thing. So, like when someone screws up, like you're getting punished for that. Like you might not be screwing up, especially at like basic and AIT and stuff. Like you're probably going to be in a much better mindset than a lot of these other guys who are just doing it to do it. Uh, they're just going to you know whatever army unit they didn't put a lot of effort in beforehand. Um, that's not going to be everybody. There are going to be guys going to the conventional side that have worked really hard to get there. But you're going to see you know there's a lot of people that join the army, and not all of them are 
going to be good at what they do. It sucks sometimes when like you're getting punished and then you have a, a, a another guy who's mad at that guy and he's trying to you know get mad and stressed out at that guy who screwed up and it's just a lot. It's a lot of dynamics, a lot of new people to deal with, and it, there's different people at each step, so you don't really get to build a cohesive group like you do once you're actually a unit, like in regiment. Like you know, me and the other privates in my company would get messed up sometimes, but like we all knew each other, we all were buddies, and like we all knew sometimes we were going to screw up, sometimes we were going to cause everyone else to do push-ups and stuff like that. Um, so we're not going to sit there and like be at each other's throat over it. Like we're going to suck it up. We're going to elevate our feet and we're going to go on about our day afterwards. Um, but that doesn't happen when, you know, you don't even like that guy. That's seven people down from you in basic training that you just know his last name and you've only known him for six days. Um, it's tough. It's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you guys will find, you know, as you go to a place like, like if you're going somewhere like you know, Ranger Regiment, guys start getting more like-minded. It gets easier to deal with certain things. Um, so, you know, whereas in, when you're in basic and you, like you said, there's guys who are just, they're just here to, you know, they're not going, they're not playing in any way to go into any sort of combat. They're just, they're coming in and not that there's anything wrong with it, but they're trying to get an education or trying to get benefits or they're just trying to get some sort of stable career in the military. You got that. And then you got, you know, if you're a guy looking to go through SF Ranger, you maybe you're there for a completely different reason. Like you're trying to really um, go through this rigorous stuff. So you got a hard charging mentality where this guy, he's just kind of like stays with some guys. You don't even know, again, how they got through the screening process. So, um, you know, so in basic, you got guys who are messing up all the time, getting everybody um, punished through the group punishment. And you'll be, you'll be wanting to ring people's necks. Um, and then, you know, maybe there's other guys who want to ring people's necks and they're making a scene. And then, you know, you get get back when there's uh, nobody around and people are yelling at each other and you're just dealing with stressed out people all the time. <laughs> you know, so it's all, all these little things that add up. Um, it is completely a new environment to deal with. And and then with that, there's a lot of funny stuff, too. Like I said, when you got a bunch of people together, you got people, you got characters who are real funny and it goes back to funny stories. Like you got people who say that I've met some of the funniest people in my life in the military who really just know how to um make a laugh out of the situation or it's just entertaining like there's a lot of entertainment out of it and there's also a lot of frustration and those two kind of go hand in hand with a lot of stuff that's why guys who go through the military they got so many stories um and uh it, it, it really is an experience that it, whether you do one term or a career you'll have a bunch of stories to take away so um all right jm says even though people will be burning a lot of calories during basic training do you recommend staying away from pancakes and sarah lee from the defect during basic um i don't know exactly how basic uh, defects are broken down we didn't have an option of a lot of the worst stuff when we were in basic um but it depends on who you are and what your body type is it's gonna honestly that's gonna it's hard for us to answer that questions overall because uh me when I joined, I was, you know, 18 and I was 130 pounds and like I literally was growing still. So like I was eating so much food. Like I gained like probably like 40, 45 pounds of like good weight uh, through basic AIT and going on to rasp and stuff. So like I was eating cereal with chocolate milk. Like, I was trying to get as much calories in as I could because just my like it was just normally as a young 18 year old your body is just always burning everything you put into it and then adding on all of the stuff you're doing always standing always walking you know doing all the stuff rucking and everything like that 
I was just trying to intake as many calories as I could all the time. Um, and I ended up coming out, um, you know, I put on a ton of, of really good weight uh, through basic training and AIT and, and so on and so forth. But obviously, uh, we would never recommend even uh, – we don't really love dirty bulking. Um, so, you know, we try to recommend you get at least, you know, healthier options when they're available. Absolutely. Um, he, he, he absolutely nailed it because it depends on who you are. So if you have a body type, if you're a young guy who's burning a lot of calories, uh, just, just at rest, you know, you're a skinny guy, you, you, um, I, I would say it doesn't matter what you eat, right. Eat, eat whatever, make sure you're getting, if anything, make sure you're getting enough food, you know, for your training. Sometimes they don't give you a lot of time to eat. So scarf it down, get whatever, maybe you get uh, fattier stuff. No big deal. Um, if you're a guy who just packs on weight, uh, maybe maybe you're older in age or maybe that's just your body type like you eat like one thing and it packs on then maybe you look Sticks to get to the you. healthier yeah you get the healthier food choices so that's one of those things where it depends on who you are um so yeah he absolutely he nailed it on the head with that uh, yeah, like my favorite thing was I don't know if they still they're still doing special K, but I used to get the special K strawberry cereal, and I would just like I would fill it with chocolate milk, and it was it was so good, it's <laughs> so good. Um, uh, but I yeah recommend trying to get but you know try at least hit all your food groups and stuff like you need to get some fiber and things like that too. Like don't just eat only protein. You know you need your carbs, you need some healthy fats and some some fiber and stuff like that. So. Um, it, like I said, when we went through, you really weren't allowed to pick, um, like they have like the colored nutritional items. Uh, you, you really didn't have the option to take the bad, the worst stuff that they had to offer. Yeah. I, b- I believe whenever we, we were going through the basic training, um, and if you guys are new, you don't know me and James did the entire initial pipeline together, like to get the regiment, everything pretty much together. Um, you got pneumonia and rasp and had to redo rasp. So he dropped off, but then we ended up uh going to the same unit and then later uh, ended up on the in the same company in the same team so pretty much did everything together so uh but anyways um he's a stalker but yeah yeah he followed me he, he followed me you know um so yeah they didn't let us eat any of the red stuff i remember but we could eat anything uh, yeah green like and, green and yellow and whatever yeah so yeah, uh, for for most of you younger guys, active guys, it's it's not going to matter that much. Um, but again, if you're somebody who packs it on easy, yeah, let me get those out there choices. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh Nick says, "Do you did you travel the country a lot as a ranger? How often were you gone?" Um, yeah, I mean, we were we went around all a bunch of places like Florida, North Carolina, um, sometimes to other bases, sometimes to just other areas that were cordoned off for training. So the Air Force gets a lot of weird training grounds. They get like flight uh, areas and stuff like that. A um, lot of places. Yeah. So, sometimes I didn't even know. Like sometimes it got to the point to where they're, they're like, we're going somewhere else. And I just, you know, sometimes it's like, I just go I know to I'm where just the, going somewhere you know, the van is and I just get yeah. in and where <laughs> then we show up somewhere and that's where I am. I don't even know what state it's in. They, they Or they'll say a name of somewhere that everyone else knows, but I've never been there before. So they're like, oh, we're going to this place. And everyone's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, yep, that's uh, that's somewhere, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, well, a, lot, a ton of places. I mean, I um, and then obviously deployments to places and things like that. And then I, when I was in the 173rd, I went all over the place. Because right, I was stationed in Italy and Germany and all that stuff up there, so uh, yeah, you'll go around the country a ton. Um, depend, obviously, you'll probably stay close to the coast that you're uh, 
battalion is if you're in regiment. So like obviously um, first and third and RSTB are going to be more East Coast. <clears throat> but you will see sometimes do some training on the West Coast, whereas second is a little different, probably more West Coast stuff than East Coast just for the sake of uh, ease of travel. Yeah. Um, yeah, we went all over. Um, Maddie says going through Dan's program right now. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Keep me posted. Keep us posted. Um, I see limited edition. Christopher says, I seek to answer one question. How do you go to airborne school at 17? I've seen it done before. Well, you were 17, weren't you? No, I was, I was 18 by the time I got to airborne. By the time you got to airborne Uh, school. Was so Daniel was 17 in basic. No, no, no. I, I was 18. Really? I enlisted at, yeah, I enlisted at 17, had the delayed entry program. And when I left, I, I was, uh, you were just so yeah, short. I, I figured maybe I thought you were younger. <laughs> I've average height. Don't listen to this guy. Um, <clears throat> but it, it, to answer your question, it, it depends on like, when are you graduating high school? You, you have to get signatures from both your parents to enlist. Uh, that's something I had to do. Right. Cause I, when I enlisted, I was 17. So, um, so I had to take the recruiter. He had to get a signature from uh, from my mom. Lived two hours away, so we had to go commute and get a signature from her, and then get a signature uh, from my dad. And then uh, and then I was good after that. It was normal enlistment process, like it would be for an eighteen year old. Once you get those signatures. Um, so. uh- but yeah, you can get in at seventeen. Um, it's on, but it's hard. It depends on where your birthday falls. It's hard to graduate high school like in time to still be seventeen and then be able to enlist into the army. Um, and they go through the training and then yeah, to get all the way. And especially now, because unless you have an option for, because the forty is not going to send you to airborne until after RASP now. So it would be tough. It would be tough. Uh, it would depend. It, it would have to. The stars would have to sort of a line timeline wise when you your birthday is versus when your parents enrolled you in school and stuff like that so um i also you know sometimes and then also the more stuff that's going on the more lax the uh um enlistment process is so i'm sure yeah and and um you know i think he's trying to out compete me because i I, I, I thought I was the youngest ranger, right? Uh, you definitely weren't. He's, he's trying to best me, dude. Um, but no, Chris. Uh, t- to answer your question, you get a you get a contract too. If you're talking about like the actual enlistment process, uh, you get something known as uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The option four is the airborne contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just looking to do airborne and get to airborne unit, um, or you can pick up airborne at. Uh, I believe your AIT. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Usually, it's easier to pick up uh, RASP, I think, than just airborne school. The option forty, yeah, yeah, that might be. True. Which is some guys used to do that. They would pick up the the RASP contract to go to airborne school and then not want to actually go to regiment, so they would just quit. Um, whether yeah, it was like day one or because I, I was shocked because you had a chance to quit a, a couple times throughout everyone's school and they weren't going to drop you from the school you're already in. It's already been paid for. Um, I was shocked when we showed up in pre-rest and we're on the we're on the rocks, you know, and we got all our bags and everything. And um, I was shocked to how many people quit that day. Like, why did you? Do? I talked about that in, a couple in days a ago. Podcast. Yeah, I, I think talked we about talked that. about it, honestly. <laughs> It might have been ours. Yeah. It, it might have been ours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, that's how it used to be. That's why they changed it. Because you used to go to airborne school first, and then you would go to whatever selection. Now, 
now they make sure they want to make sure you actually go through their selection and then they'll send you um so um ash seven says uh what's your opinion on private private military contractors and contracting in general do a lot of bad guys go into contracting um actually yes i was gonna say not a lot but yeah no kind of a lot um actually my my one of my team leaders from regiment uh contractor um we have a buddy he's a contractor uh you know you knew a guy who dropped out of college yeah a ton of ton of guys go into contracting um uh kind of gives you the ability to do something similar uh with a little bit you know more freedom and a lot more money yeah yeah i think it's good for those guys when they get out and they realize like they miss certain things but they don't want to deal with the the bureaucracy and the process again so they'll go work contract work and some guys really enjoy it um pays there and um you know they have the experience to qualify for it and stuff too so I yeah and then the clearances to help a ton and yeah yeah yeah, you really get set up for that kind of work through that job, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so a ton, a ton of guys definitely do it. <clears throat> um, EM says, do you stay outside the whole time at Ranger School? Not the whole time. A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, mo- most of the time, I would say, yeah. Hit me with a question one more time. Tony, I said, yeah, but I was like reading this. Do you stay outside the whole time at Ranger School? Yeah. Uh, it's like it's, nine, it's, probably like 92% of the time you're outside, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times. So that like before uh, some of the phases, you will do like these train-ups. So you will have a few days before you they send you out into the field problem where you'll bed down in the barracks. Um, but yeah, you're not spending a lot of time. I mean, you're going there to to sleep you know at most and um so yeah you're not spending a lot of time there are, is some time like where there may be a classroom setting like uh you know when i was in florida phase there's a couple times you go in the classroom and they uh show you some stuff about you know here's here's uh or, or they'll show you like different reptiles and and talk about like how to identify wildlife and stuff so you there is times like that but in ranger school, you are spending, yeah, the majority of the time outside. I, I, yeah, I, high 90s, I, I would say high 90s. But it's uh, – and in the field problem, yeah, you, you're you out in the elements. Like, you're you're, at, you're out there. So, um, uh, But Matty says he has a question for us regarding the Option 40. Uh, have a, has a unique situation. He's got a long message. Can I contact you guys in the DMs? Um, yeah, and that's a good good thing to hit for a lot of people who wonder, you know, you can send us messages. We do answer them as able. Um, so you can absolutely send that message. You know, uh, we try to stay on top of that. Uh, J- James actually does a great job of answering a lot of messages. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I try to – I try to. depending on our, our workflow, uh, I try to, you know, get on there – you know, ideally, like once a day during the week, um, I try to leave it a little bit on weekends. And then sometimes if it's like, a, you know, someone has an issue getting their codes or whatever, I try to make sure to check back, um, you know, that a couple times that day to make sure like, they got their codes or if they sent me their email address or whatever. But, yeah, I try to get in there. I try to make sure they don't fall behind. Last week, I, fall, I did fall behind a little bit. We were trying to get everything moved over to Spotify. So it was a little bit crazy. Um, but, yes, absolutely feel free to to questions send questions to the dms yep um, uh mr bada boon says how are older guys treated in battalion for instance a 30 something coming in 
coming in as a specialist due to already having a degree. Um, yeah, so we get this question a lot, um, and it's pretty common. Uh, older guys come into regiment all the time. I mean, even my uh, when I was in regiment, one of my like RTOs was a he had gone to college. He was like twenty four. He was older than me when he showed up, and he was a specialist. Um, you're treated like a private still though like the specialist doesn't matter as much unless you have a tab in regiment um but they'll treat you a little bit nicer usually on the stuff that like the 18 year olds get dug into like pay and all that stuff like oh let me see your les blah blah blah, blah. trying to teach you how to be a human being because you're 18 years old and you don't know what you're doing they're usually a little bit nicer to you and they'll probably lean a little bit onto you too when it comes to like making sure the dudes do their taxes and making sure they're getting paid enough and when they need to go to finance to get something done maybe you go with them even if they've been there longer than you because you probably know sort of like how the world works a little bit better so it's kind of like a weird dichotomy where in the army terms you're brand new private but in life terms um you're not so you will have instances of added responsibility um on that side of things sometimes um depending on the situation and it usually helps uh you know some of the younger guys even if they've been there longer than you and when you just show up will lean on you a little bit for some of that stuff even if the your leaders aren't making them do it uh they're going to look to you for some of those answers just because they're not going to have them yeah it absolutely makes a difference if you carry yourself differently like a lot of times we can see people are older um, people who are older they usually carry themselves better and if you have those two qualities uh, you are going to have an easier time in, in a lot of ways. Like I said, most people there, there's going to be people in the army that only know the army. Like I said, some of these guys enlisted out of high school. So, you know, you experience other things in, in life, but it's very military centric. So sometimes uh, guys will lean on you just because you have experience from outside, you know, of uh, military life. So um, yeah, if you carry yourself a certain way, it does make things easier. Like if I saw older guys, you know, um, Whenever I was a sergeant, I wasn't going to mess with a guy who was older. He usually, um, usually treat him with a little bit more respect than I would definitely than I would treat like an 18, 19 year old kid. Uh, and usually they carry themselves funny anyways, when you're 18, 19, um, you can kind of tell who those guys are. They're, they're newer. They say sillier things. They do sillier things than a guy who's older. Um, so yeah, it does translate in a lot of ways. Um, by the way, Colin says, what was it like starting RASP in March to May? He, he's asking, uh, mainly asking about heat versus cold. So you want to hit this first? Yeah, March to May is actually like the perfect ideal time to go because it's pretty mild. Like it, it, you're going to have a little bit. Of, it's cold at night and warm during the day, kind of in that like earlier March area. But like as you get into because like in georgia like may is hot like it starts getting hot so like they actually don't even run over the summer too much you kind of get out of there if you're getting out of there in may you're getting out of there just before you're hitting those like real heavy heat waves where you are out there just sucking because it gets hot and humid um so you remember those those gats oh dude yeah especially savannah was rough with the nets um yeah, so it, it's going to be a little bit – you're going to have a little bit of a transition if you're on March to May, but honestly, that's, like, one of the most ideal times. You're going to have probably the most mild, like, three-month section of that time in Georgia um, because, yeah, it's rough. And for us, I mean, it sucks because, like, we were out in Oklahoma in the winter, like, leading up into it, so it's freezing in Oklahoma in the winter. Absolutely frigid. The wind, awful. Um, it's the wind. Yeah. The wind is brutal. So that's actually a pretty mild time. 
when I classed up my second time, it was like August, and it was, it was it was pretty miserable. Like doing it in like all in the heat was pretty rough. Yeah, the the cold is always uh, worse in my opinion because when it sucks just to be outside. Yeah, and then you add the criteria on top of that, it always makes things harder. You know, because you're like you don't even want to be outside in the first place. When it's hot, yeah, like I granted, I'm a I'm a you know I grew up in Texas, so I'm used to heat, right? Like. But I grew up in New York. I agree. I, I'm like when you're going outside, your face is just hurts. It's so cold. The wind is hitting you like your face literally hurts. Like you can't you're trying to like do stuff. Your fingers are frozen. Toes are completely iced over. We're doing night shoots in basic in uh, like um, Oklahoma. And like you're just sitting there freezing. It's dark. You're just sitting there freezing. There's nowhere to go. There's no inside. There's no heaters. You're just freezing. Um so yeah, it's a little bit nicer, and, and that March to May time frame is going to be mild and comfortable, um, and not too extreme one way or the other, which is is nice because even if you say the heat is better, when it's like extreme heat, like it still sucks. Yeah, it, two trade offs, but overall, yeah, you're going at a good time because, like I said, if you're not bothered just to be outside most days, you're gonna it makes everything a lot easier. But whenever you're cold, man. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It just it amplifies everything definitely overall. Oh, I yeah. I'm because I I did I did lobby in the winter. Um, yep. That was that was rough. Um, it, you know, we we were going out. We did a mortar shoot one day and we almost couldn't do it. It was snowing so hard. I have a picture of it somewhere on my phone. Like I took a picture and it's just it's just white. All you see is white. It was snowing so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. um. One more on your end, by the way, and then we got to wrap up. Oh, I guess it is late. This one went by quick. I have a ton of questions. I just so you guys know, I'll screenshot these and I try to get to them if we, you know, if we run out of questions one day. Um, let's see here. Uh, AC twenty eight says, "Where's the average? What is the average PT scores of a PT sudden regiment? Push up five miles, sit ups, pull ups, and twelve mile march." Um, so I know for us, um, and a lot of times, depending on the situation. Most of the time, if you, like, get a couple over max, like, you'll just stop. Um, because, like, the score doesn't matter. Like, the, there's no real action. They say there's a scale. But the scale above max is, like, not a real thing. Um, it doesn't go anywhere. The max you can technically score on a PT test is 300. Um, but there's guys that could crank out, like, close to 100 push-ups and setups. Uh, they're running. <clears throat> I know some guys that run, like, 10 minute 10 30 like two mile runs 11 minute two mile runs um and like we had a guy in brass break the regimental record at one point for a 12 mile march doing those things like an hour and a half um like dudes can do a lot of push-ups and sit-ups i not me it wasn't me it wasn't daniel like dudes are out there putting in like hundreds push-up sit-ups hundred uh 10 and a half minute two mile coming in 130 at the 12 mile ruck coming in at like 28 minutes on the five mile run yeah yeah there was a guy in rasp dude i so i could run um i ran my two mile in a in 11 in rasp there was a guy who ran it uh and this is probably a guy you just the time it, you it, just it threw is. out yeah what, it was like it was like was a low, it? it was, it was like low 10 yeah like low 10 stupid I, I remember that guy was like getting close to lapping me you know because we were running on a track i was like how the f like i was book i felt like i was booking it like that was the fastest one of the fastest two miles i've ever ran and uh and this dude was about to lap me 
you know. Yep, he did his 12 Maybe mile. Maybe he did. I don't know. I can't remember. But Yeah, he yeah. did his 12 mile in like an hour and a half. Yeah. It was literally half the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did, he did that too. That's insane, dude. Yeah. He, like, he, he, you know, he's doing it like he's doing like eight, nine minute miles on this 12 mile ruck march. <laughs> Just yeah. cruising. Um, and like he like he, he was doing everything right too. He, he holds his weapon properly. Like he wasn't just like slinging his, his you know, weapon over. Like he held it in both hands and just went. Dude. This dude just like he could just run. This dude had like insane cardiovascular health. It was absurd. Dude was a monster. Yeah. Uh, he struggled a little bit more, I think, on like push-ups and stuff. So you will see, it's 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 pretty rare to see a guy that's going to be excellent at all facets of the PT test, though. I was going um, to say, there's like it's sometimes those guys who are super incredible in one event, they struggle with one other event. Yeah, like I, I had a private that could do like sit-ups like crazy. Like he would get about a hundred sit-ups in two minutes. But when it came to push-ups, mm. like we had a, he was just under that. Uh, that max like he was like in the in the mid 60s and so he'd get in trouble so if you guys don't know if you're not maxing you're probably gonna get in trouble um so like we'd be getting in trouble trying to get him to do more push-ups so um uh, i'm gonna yeah. say his name zach though zach our our buddy he that that dude can do all the events to a high level like he was doing all the sit-ups he's doing all the push-ups he's running like he could walk the first mile of the two mile and still beat most people like this dude could do he could pretty much do it all he was a little shorter so rucking his his rucking times weren't as low as some of those crazy ones but he's still coming in super fast um probably one of the most like overall fit fit guys that we had um that i i can i know personally yeah 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 he definitely did good with those events um so that's our uh that's our hour mark guys um you got anything you want to leave these guys with um man i don't know i said that one quite quick um oh if you guys are looking for i sorry i meal prepped on this week and um I, I make these salads if you guys are looking for like a really good uh like like option for like spicing chicken or any kind of meat um or anything it, dano's low sodium spice is super super good for meal prepping it's like a little bit like kind of like a spicy thing but it doesn't have a ton of calories doesn't have any like not a ton of sodium some of those spicy ones have like 1500 milligrams of sodium is something crazy but this one has like really low sodium if you as long as you get the low sodium version uh super awesome yeah there's a bunch of good options out there you know i, I actually found out there's a salt substitute um that uses uh what, what does it use i think it's potassium but uh yeah there's a substitute there's like there's this uh salt that's it tastes like salt like you use it with baking but uh but it doesn't have any sodium sodium in it. Use something else. You gotta be careful um, with that though. You can't cut out and if unless you if you don't eat. There's fish, always a trade off. You can't eat. You can't take out because like iodized salt. Like if you don't have that in your diet because you don't eat any seafood, you can cause you actually to gain bad weight. Well, there's also you got to check the chemicals that are in that kind of stuff. You, there's yeah, always um, trade offs there. But yeah. Um, but I was surprised. You know, somebody told me that he, he had to cut out. Um, he had to cut out his salt intake, so he started using that because he still liked his uh, his uh, food intake. We so. use sea salt um, or a sea salt household, but I don't even like. I can't eat salt. Like we we'll, we go out to dinner sometimes. I went to like Carabas or something. I ordered like food and I I almost couldn't eat it. I was like, it's like they poured like an entire gallon of salt on it. I was like, because I, I eat so clean now, I just couldn't. I couldn't. It was so gross. That is the thing about eating out is uh, they add like insane. Like if you actually look at some of these, uh, some of the metrics for some of these restaurants, how much stuff they're adding into their food to make it taste good. Butter and like salt. Well beyond your daily limit for yeah. like one meal. So like if you actually keep track of that stuff, like 
uh yeah definitely with salt you don't you don't want to watch it when when you're eating out a lot um yeah sodium will get you when it's when you're at um some of these restaurants and especially fast food because of just like keeping those things um preserved and stuff so the salt content is off the charts yeah all right we gotta it's we're getting we're we're getting into it too much we we do that um all right guys so uh so tony left you with uh with some seasoning tips uh anything else uh no i think that's it i hope you guys enjoy your weekend yeah happy Uh, shout out to charles faulkner for the super chat we appreciate you yes yeah thanks charles yeah you guys uh go go have a good uh saint patty's day and and uh stay safe too stay safe have a plan if you're going out um thank you guys for tuning in be sure to check out trainlikearanger.com where we have uh workout programs nutrition programs merchant apparel informational content as always much more on the agenda me and james got a lot in store that we're going to be working on um so thanks again for tuning in and uh see you next time See you guys.